Do you even know if your product is consumer friendly? Have you ever market tested your new product, recipe, service, or program to see if it actually makes sense or appeals to your desired market? Learn how hiring a market research company can and will save you thousands of dollars when you test your product before you launch. Tune into this week's episode of Stand Out and Grow to Learn More. I'm Kat Ramirez, your host of Stand Out and Grow. I want to help your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Building your business is really, really hard. And knowing what marketing and advertising tools you need to help you become successful is extremely confusing. After 30 years of working with thousands of businesses, I am here to help you make good business decisions. I wanna help you understand the programs that are available to you so that you can stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. So let's get started. This is episode 21 of Stand Out and Grow. Boom. I am so thrilled to introduce my guest today. Her company is a key step for any new product or program. Her company will help you save thousands of dollars and prevent you from delivering a product nobody wants. Please join me in welcoming Karen Munson, CEO of May Zer, Jack, Zach Chow. Sorry, this is really hard to say, but if you come across her business, you'll know exactly you got the right one. Uh, again, it's Mazer Zach Howe. Thank you. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me today in our show. Uh, so it's so good to have you on, you know, the, the company that you represent and the things you do is truly a great um, product and a service to talk about as we roll into 2020. And so, um, once again, thanks for joining my show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I want um, people to get a feel of your background. So if you want to give anybody who's listening a sense of how you got into the research business, okay? Yes. Uh, kind of give us a little background of you and then how you got into what you're doing today. Well, I started out as a graduate of the Kellogg Graduate School of Management and then I went to work for uh, corporate America. I started with GE and worked for corporate America for GE for several years. And then I went to work for Miller Brewing Company. And I was what they call a brand manager. I was responsible for hi uh, firing and hiring the uh, market research companies that were doing the research for us to help us develop new products and new features, et cetera. And at both GE and Miller Brewing Company, I had lots and lots of experience with market research companies. And at one point, I just felt like I could do at least as good a job as they did. They were uh, doing a fair job, but there were lots of things that they were overlooking. And I thought, hmm, this is an opportunity to start a research company that worked, basically has a soup to nuts philosophy. Um, so we could start from the very beginning from designing the research to talking to the client about it, having meetings about the research, then executing the research, then analyzing the research and reporting the results of the research to the client. 
And so that's what we've been doing for the last 40 years at Mazer Zacco. And I'm very proud to say that this is our 40th year. That is awesome. That is awesome. So um, can you give, because I love the background and I love that you have the experience from the consumer side. I love that um, because that gives, you know, you're, you have a good perspective on both ends now, you know? Right. Um, so, it'll, and some companies may not have that. And uh, I think that is a, a, a unique position for you to be in and to offer, you know, any future clients or the clients that you work with today. Uh, just give us a background of uh, some of the things that you guys are doing and what it is that you guys do on your day-to-day basis. Well, a day-to-day basis is always different. That's one thing I can say about market research. A lot of times we'll get calls from companies that have a product that they want to test. They don't know if they have a product that's viable from a commercialization standpoint. So they want to talk about the product with their potential consumers. And so we, we help them find consumers that might be prospects for their new product, and we bring them into a room. Uh, we, de- we develop a discussion guide with the client, of course, uh, about what questions and topics they want to ask of their potential consumer. Then we bring the consumers into a room and have a moderator ask these questions of the, re- of the participants to find out what they think of the new product. And then we do this, usually it's in the form of focus groups, which is an, you know eight to 12 people in a room with a moderator leading the discussion. It could also be a one-on-one interview. It could also be a home placement of a product. A lot of times we do that if a consumer gives us a product that they want the consumer, excuse me, if a company gives us a product that they want the consumer to try at home, they'll give us samples of it and we will place those products with consumers in their homes. And the consumers will use the products and then they will give their feedback to us about how they like the product. Did it work well? Is it something they'd buy? You know, how like how likable was it? And then they will um, probably do this via online survey. So the results come directly to us and we can summarize for the client what the the prospective shopper thought of their product. Right. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and and this uh, offers the client really an unbiased kind of, um, you know, out you know outlook, right? It's oh, oh absolutely, it, yeah, because because the whole benefit of this is because um, as a I don't know. Uh, a developer, a product developer, as an entrepreneur, as a startup, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm sure people get to be a little sided and jaded and they're like, you know, they make a lot of assumptions because they're in bed with their product, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of companies, you know, like I said at the beginning, I was on the corporate side and you become the brand champion for whatever product you're working on. I worked on Christmas lights for General Electric. I worked on different types of beer like Genuine Draft for Miller Brewing Company. And you become the brand champion and and you want to think all good things about your product, that everybody should love your product and everybody should buy your product. So that's when it makes sense to go out and test features of your product to find out what might not be so perfect for your potential consumer. There may be some features in the case of a consumable that taste, you know, the taste isn't exactly right. There could be something in the case of the packaging that's not exactly right. 
Uh, sometimes we do advertising testing because the advertising can either really make a potential consumer excited about your product or it can really turn off your product. So we test a lot of advertising prior to actually showing it on the air. So yes, there. I learned a long time ago as a marketer that I can't use my judgments, my attitudes, my feelings, my opinions as a gauge for what potential you know, p- participants, what potential consumers might think of the product because my attitudes don't represent the norm. So that's what testing is all about, is to try to find out what the norm is for the prospective purchaser of your product. Okay. And I love that because, you know, again, you're just putting out in the marketplace to see, is this a viable product? Is it going to sustain, you know, is there, is there a need for it? You know, whatever the case may be for that particular situation. And so let's talk about, you know, the breadth of, you know, the type of clients. Are you just working with major big clients like Miller Lite and GE? No, we work for clients of all sizes, shapes, and forms. We work for anyone who has a business question, what I call a research question, that requires some answer analysis uh, or questioning. Uh, we work for software firms that want to make sure they understand that their software package, their platform actually communicates what it's supposed to communicate. We work for service industries that want to make sure they have their service packages down correctly. We work for small companies that want to make sure that they are on the right track with their next generation developing development of a new product. Uh, so really, no, it's not just Fortune 500 companies. It's anybody, any company, any individual, any service that uh, wants to understand if it's really communicating appropriately and correctly and accurately with its customer base. Okay. And that makes sense because, um, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, um, you know, the first thing I think about, especially the ones who develop a product, you know, uh, and I just have this one that I, I just have on the top of my head. Uh, and they, um, and I, I hope that they don't, they might listen to this, but if they do, I'm not saying their name, but we'll, we'll just keep going. Um, they created a, uh, a cooler, okay? Mm-hmm. And the cooler was functional in that you could play games. So you could have attachments and you could be, play beer pong and some other games. You know, it's a functional cooler, okay? Sure, sure. And so, you know, it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, I thought that's pretty cool. That's nifty. And uh, so they came up with it. It was a father and son duo. They never tested it. Okay. Mm-hmm. They um, were going to make a huge investment in the product. And um, I, I think they didn't end up investing in, and making a bunch of them because uh, they did meet with some, uh, a guy who did fulfillment, you know, try to, to get it made the cheapest as you could, you know? Sure. Um, and I think what they found out was they couldn't get it to a price point. Um, but my point was they uh, had done a Kickstarter on it. <coughs> and um, you know, you, are you familiar with that? Like yes. a crowdsourcing? Yes. Okay. So they did some programs like that and they really couldn't get it off the ground. And uh, I think, I personally think they should have did some market research on it. Um. And not themselves, like hire someone like you to really research and see if people, because their family and friends kept telling them, this is great, this is great. 
but and I'm sure you hear a lot of this, Karen. And but that's not the real perception. That's not the real audience. You know what I mean? Right. And, they, so they can think, you? Yeah. yeah. Can they, you give me they, some? Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. Uh, oftentimes we run into this where there's a, what we call an inventor of a new product who thinks he's got an idea. He or she has an idea that is going to revolutionize the industry. And it may be a good idea, but you have to look at a lot of different factors. As you were saying, you have to look at the financials, but that's not something I'm usually involved in. But you have to look at the financials to make sure that you can make this product at a price that a consumer is willing to pay. Um, But also you have to know who your ultimate consumer is, and that's where we come in. You know, the first question we ask people when they come in and they say they want to do market research is, who do you want to have buy your product? Describe the person that is the potential purchaser of your product. That's the person we want to talk to in our research, whether it's through a survey or focus groups or, you know, home placement or one-on-one interviews or whatever other methodology we choose to use. You have to know who your target consumer is. And if you can't identify your target consumer, it doesn't matter if you've got the greatest product in the world if you're selling it to the wrong person. You know, a lot of of people want to make TV commercials because they think that's a way to reach their audience. And in reality, there are lots and lots of products that have other methods, other media options that are much more effective and cheap and cost-effective ways of reaching their target consumer than actually spending the money on producing and airing a TV commercial. So if you, the first thing you have to do is identify in some detail who your target consumer is. Then we figure out how, how we recruit them to talk to them and ask them if they like your product. But yep. if you can't define your target consumer, there's no way you can define your product. All right. But the, the thing to that, too, that you're doing is let's say that they figured out that price point. So now they because this these guys did have a mock up. OK, so they did create a couple mock up samples. And uh, to me, it would have been worth their uh, time and investment to test the, the mock ups with the new price point and see would someone buy it, you know, right. Absolutely. A lot of times people come in and ask pricing questions. And one of the things we pride ourselves on is people come in and, you know, it's a fairly, research is a fairly inexpensive way to get a feel for, you know, if you're on the right track with your product. Right. There are lots of examples, if you think of things like New Coke, that, you know, they must have done some research, but I tell you, they didn't show it in the marketplace when they launched it because it was a huge failure. Right. So, you know, the idea is that you spend a little money up front doing research, talking to your prospective consumer. And actually, in your in the description you gave, showing a prototype is a really good example. Showing yep. them a, a functional prototype of your product and having them use it and um, telling you exactly in their words what's working, what's not working, what they like, what they don't like, what they change, what they'd improve. That kind of thing is invaluable information to get before you launch your product. Or before you buy the inventory, because I think in this situation, they had to spend like, it was either fifty or $100,000 in order to get the discounts that they needed. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so before you make that kind of investment that you may not even make back, right. you know, 
You may not. Oh, ab- absolutely. You know? I mean, market research is a very inexpensive way of discovering what you need to know about your product before you make an investment like that. Right. And sometimes it's interesting. You know, I would say about 75% of the time we get really good results where people say, I learned what I wanted to learn and I'm happy. I got the right product. I'm ready to go to the marketplace right now with it. Or yep. I'm ready to buy inventory or whatever. And then about 25% of the time people hear, Hmm, I didn't think of that. My product isn't 100% right. It's not big enough. It's not small enough. It's Mm -hmm. not maneuverable enough. It's not, it doesn't taste completely right or or whatever, that there are changes that need to be made before it's really ready to be launched. And that's really where we find ourselves most useful is when we you know, it's it's always good to tell somebody, hey, you got the exact right product, you know, knock you'll knock the doors off and you launch <laughs> it. But then there's always those times when people don't have it exactly right for the for their target consumer. They might have it right for themselves, but they mm-hmm. don't have it right for the person, you know, for the mass market that's going to buy their product. They need to make oh, some changes. Absolutely. I mean, I can give you another example. This is a good example. And again, I'm not going to give the the name of the client, but they made a tri-wheel bike and the tri-wheel bike was the the tires in the back were really, really close. So it wasn't like true tri, you know? Yep. Yep. It was, uh, so it was replacing the training wheels, you know, and children, like really, really small children. Sure. And it was a great concept and it's really cool. And, and the company's still alive, but they couldn't sell the product. And okay. And here's what we found out. Uh, in uh, helping them market it, the the reoccurring thing that came back over and over and over was price. Because when you buy a training bike, you're buying those training wheels, right? And those eventually go away and then you have a bike, right? Mm -hmm. This bike was like almost $200 as a training bike. Right. And you're only going to have it for so long and then that's it. You know what I mean? Because kids outgrow it. And it was, um, I think if they had done some research and tested that model before, I mean, they purchased a lot of inventory because they were all done whole and they sold themselves on it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's very easy to sell yourself that you found the right idea, the right package of of product features and benefits that's going to actually, you know, be very popular. But you don't really know that unless you ask your target consumer, you know, they – in that example, if they had asked about the price point to some of their target consumers, their target consumer probably would have said, hell no, that's way too expensive. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a product my kid's going to use for, you know, a year, three months or 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 six months. So, um, you know, we've done lots of research like that where price point has been a real issue and you do test price point a lot and find out that you're either in the ballpark or not in the ballpark. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, I could go on and on with other examples, but uh, I guess that the the what I'm trying to message to anybody who is listening is basically you're either going to pay in the front end, or you're going to pay out the ass in the back end, and you might lose money and not recover that money. You know what I mean? Like, well, that is so true. 
You know, so it's like, you know, when at, at some point you need to make a, an intelligent business decision, especially if you're going to make a major investment into products, you know, um, or it's a program. And I mean, a lot of times it's a uh, software or an app or something like that. You know what I mean? That it should be tested so that you can prevent failure, period. Prevent it. <laughs> Absolutely. We do a lot of that kind of testing. We've, we've tested websites to see where people click and do they click on the parts of the website that you want them to click on? And how long do they spend searching? How many clicks do they make before they make a decision to buy? That kind of thing. Uh, yeah. To make sure that your website is doing what you want it to do, that it's getting people to notice what you want them to see and hear and feel about your product. Right, right. And I'm sure because you guys do do a lot of research that when someone does come to you, approach you or talk to you, you probably get a little bit of sense of the product if you've done other tests, similar products, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, one other thing I didn't mention was our mock jury testing, which is a particularly uh, interesting part of our business. We have lawyers that are in civil or criminal cases that come in here and they, they recruit consumers that might be on, that would be peers of their jury. Obviously it's not their real jury, but it's, it's people that would be, um, you know, a, a peer or a reasonable facsimile of the person that would be on their jury. And mm -hmm. then they present their cases. They present their opening arguments. They present their witness statements. They present whatever they've got that they try to use to convince the jury to, vote their way. And then they, after they've made their entire presentation to these, you know, generally 12 people, just like you'd have on a jury, they poll the jury and ask, well, how convincing were we? How much money would you give this plaintiff for damages? Or, you know, was this an effective way to present a case? And they do this before they actually go to trial so that uh, they have a good sense of what about their argument is working and what about their argument is not working. And right. It's a very, it's a very effective tool. Uh, just had somebody in in house last night, uh, in a personal injury lawyer, uh, come in to our office and do that with two focus groups to try and understand how effective their opening and closing arguments were and how effective their presentation was. And I think that's a very useful way to spend just a little bit of money up front before you present it in front of a jury and get the final verdict. Oh yeah, because that's just maximizing your return. That's all it is. Yeah, you know exactly. Um, well, I love that. I love that. So, I guess my question to you is: Are most of the people, the companies and uh, organizations that you're working with, are they within the community you're in, or are they all over the U.S.? I mean, who? who what kind of clients? You know, where are they? Well, most of our clients are from all over the world. Okay. Um, I would say 90% are from the United States, but 10% are international. Usually what happens with a company is they develop a product and they want to test it in three places or a feature or a new benefit or something. You know, it doesn't have to be a new product. It can be a line extension. It can be some new feature, some new benefit. They usually want to test it on the East Coast, the West Coast, and in the Midwest because the demographics of uh, the typical consumer are quite different. If you want to sell your product nationally, you want to know if it flies all over the country in different marketplaces. So generally, they'll pick a place on the West Coast, sometimes Los Angeles, sometimes Seattle, sometimes somewhere in you know, like Portland, Oregon. They'll test it there. They'll go test it on the East Eastern Seaboard, which could be all the way from New York to Atlanta, because that's a different type of consumer. 
and has different preferences. And then they'll come someplace in the Midwest to test the product because, again, the Midwestern culture is quite different than that of the coasts. So they will they'll go to Chicago is a little bit too big of a market for most people because it's very cosmopolitan, very metropolitan. It's almost like living on one of the coasts. So they try to find some market in the Midwest that's a little smaller to be representative of what the Midwest is like. They'll go to a Milwaukee or a Kansas City or a St. Louis, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's how we come into the picture. We are usually one of the markets they choose to try to understand really what the Midwestern consumer thinks of their product. Right. Yeah. You know what? I just thought of something uh, as you were speaking about this and talking about East Coast, West Coast and Midwest. I had um, Brian Smith, the founder of UGG, on one of my podcasts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he talked about his beginnings and he talked about launching UGG in California. And are you familiar with UGG, right? Oh, absolutely. It's a very winter shoe. Sure. And he started it in California, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because he was an avid surfer and all the surfer dudes uh, like this material that the UGGs were made of. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he, that's how, why he started marketing it in California because he was, he knew all the surfers and was selling to them. Okay. Mm. And so, but it didn't help explode his business because there's only a very small market of surfers. Sure. Okay. So what he did was to try to grow it faster than selling them out of his car was he created, I think he said commercials or whatever, something like that. And he got these hot babes and he put these in the commercial and he was like, they were wearing these Uggs and they didn't do anything for his product. Nobody was buying them. Nobody's buying them. And then he changed the concept and he, he did like a video on his own and he was hanging out with some surfer guy who's really, really known. And he had, they had the Uggs on, you know, Mm-hmm. And he goes, then the, they were selling off the, the shelves. Sure. So te- even testing, you know, your, um, the marketplace that you're trying to, to um, you know, like you said, your ideal client, but the branding and the material that you're f- putting in front of them. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the value of testing. And, you know, it's something like Uggs. You would think he'd want to test in cold weather. And we talked about that and we could go on and on about that because what his whole big thing was because the surfers knew about the material that Uggs were made of, that was an easy sell for him. So it was a a comfort level. Okay. It was a a good place to start. Yes. And, and as he grew, he knew he had to hit the cold areas, but it was a challenge for him because he didn't know how to market to them. So, but again, this is where your products and service comes in handy because you help people understand the marketplaces that they're not used to. Sure. You know, especially like, you know, in his situation, he had a viable product. It was doing very, very, very well in California, you know, in the West Coast. And how do you launch that now in the Midwest? Right. Right. Exactly. And so so it's a great scenario to tee you up and say, you know, again, you use some research, make the investment before you spend all this money on TV and radio and all this, you know. 
Yep. Um, because uh, it'll just help you, your bottom line. Um, and then you'll figure it out and your, your, your trip to the bank is shorter. <laughs> no, that's a very good example of the kind of research we do and how, who we do it for and how we do it. People yeah. might have hey, might have had a lot of success in one part of the country, and yet they can't kickstart the rest of their business elsewhere. Right. So they'll they'll come up with ideas to how they might change the product or how they might change the marketing, so that they and then they come test it with us. Okay, and, and they learn if those changes sometimes it's just a little tweak yep. to either the product feature or benefit itself, and sometimes it's a tweak to the advertising because it doesn't speak to the Midwesterners the same way it speaks to somebody on the coasts. It's a very good way to understand how to tweak your product to make it more appropriate for a different marketplace. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that after doing this for 40 years, um, you guys are really experts in it. And uh, your strength is the ability to vet out the audience that they need, you know, to be able to have the resources that you have. Um, but, and, and also adapt to any product, service, or program, anything that uh, someone is wanting to task, I would imagine. Oh, sure. I mean, our, at this point, we are probably one of the best in the business at finding a, any consumer you might need. One thing we're doing a lot of right now, because it's next year is an election year, mm -hmm. is we're finding voters. A lot of New York, or, uh, not New York, uh, D.C.-based politicians and their compatriots want to know, and Wisconsin is a swing state, they yep. want to know, they want to talk to independents. They want to talk to Republicans. They want to talk to Democrats. They want to talk to pro-Trump. They want to talk to anti-Trump. So, you know, one of the specialties that we bring is we can recruit anybody for any type of study. If you want to talk to people, show them commercials about, you know, Trump and see what might be appealing or what might, what might not be appealing to those voters. Um, we're getting a lot of voting studies right now because people are trying to develop campaigns that are going to be effective in Wisconsin. And the only way to do that is to show targeted campaigns to a subset of Wisconsinites to get their opinions on the campaign and, and what they might need to change to make it more effective. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. I yeah, love we, ex That's we great. expect we'll be getting a lot. We think we're going to be doing a lot of voting research, again, yep. recruiting specific yep. types of voters, whether they're independents or Democrats or Republicans or whatever, uh, all the way through this year because of the Wisconsin, you know, the, the fact that Wisconsin is a swing state. But right. our, our specialty in general is being able to find that hard to reach consumer. You know, okay. If you've, if you've got a product or service that you know, you want to test with somebody that is unique, uh, we can, we can find them and we can recruit them in pretty good numbers. As long as they exist in Wisconsin, yep. um, we can find them and we generally do that pretty darn well. Yeah, that is awesome. I, and I love the whole political aspect of it because we got our first political campaign this year. Uh, it's a local campaign. <laughs> She's running for city comptroller. Oh. Um, yeah. And so I, I but I, if I had to do this on big scale, I could see testing a campaign out with a focus group. You know what I mean? I oh, they see absolutely that. do. They do yeah. it a lot. It's not just a campaign. It's it's their whole platform. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to know how their potential the voters. Issues. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I feel on all of the issues and yeah. it, it helps them design how they want to communicate their message. 
Yeah, that is awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, is there is there something that you probably see regularly? Is there any like you know you don't have to say business names or anything, but products, anything that you see on a regular basis that maybe other companies should be aware of so that they start testing theirs. <laughs> what we do the most of, I would say, is consumer products that you might find in a grocery store. Uh, or a discount store, and you know, retail products in general. Okay, uh, we do an awful lot of testing. If you've if you've ever been to a grocery store, you've probably seen products that we've tested. Okay, uh, we recently had a client here who wanted to test new pizzas. Oh, okay. And so we have an oven, and they baked pizzas in our oven and gave samples to all of their participants in the consumer focus groups yep. and tried to get the feedback on whether these pizza ideas, you know, new flavors, new gotcha. additives, new ingredients, gotcha. whether these were a good idea before they launched them on the shelf at retail, because it can be very expensive, as you said, to launch a new product at retail. Yeah. So we get an awful lot of that kind of thing where people want to launch something at retail and they just want to make sure they've got the whole, you know, package of features correct before they do it. Yeah. And so I'm just going to talk about maybe a taboo area, but maybe it's an opportunity for you guys, or maybe you've done some stuff. Do you do very much because CBD is a big buzz right now. Do you guys do anything with CBD? Well, that's a really good question. Nobody that nobody has approached us yet on CBD, but okay. I wish they would. I have a feeling it's in the growth stages right now. Oh yeah. It's very new. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And right now, like nobody will touch them as far as marketing. You can't do it on Facebook. You can't do it on Google. Nobody will touch them right, right now. Right. You know, because of the newness, you know. I have a feeling once it becomes a little bit more established and accepted, I, I put it in the same category as kind of marijuana in some places because, you know, you, you can't test something that people have different and and. You know, it's it'll, well, marijuana isn't even legal in some places, but yeah, you know, it's one of those topic areas that's controversial, uh huh, and novel and new and growing. Yeah, and I think there's no question it'll get to the critical mass level that people are going to want to test it in a variety of different forms. Right, right, and um, and I agree because there's a lot of a lot of different perception uh, with CBD right now because. There's not enough education going on. And so I would see where CBD, um, especially some big companies, would want to test, you know, their brand or the branding or things like that, you know. Right. I have a feeling it's right now it's being uh, investigated by a lot of small, like you were saying, startup companies that are just throwing something out there to see if it sticks. Right. And they may not have the foresight at this point or the, or the, you know, mass. I mean, maybe they're just not big enough. They're just a one person kind of organization Mm -hmm. and they're trying something to see if it sticks against the wall. And, you know, if they get some traction, maybe they'll start thinking about doing some research to see how they can expand their business. Right. Right. Um, And so um, what about like, startup, like, I don't know what your experience has been for like companies, like, let's just use hypothetical. Okay. Okay. So like, cause I, I would see the benefit in if, you know, Uber didn't exist 
and they came to you and said, you know, we want to test this. We want to see if people would actually, you know, hail a cab with an app. Right. You know, um, I would imagine that's a big opportunity because, you know, every day, you know, the Eli Musk of the day, you know, he's got that new truck. I don't know if you saw that launch. I have seen that new truck. Okay. I can't stand it. I think it looks horrid. I assume he did some research, but I have no evidence of that. I I don't either. I kind of think he didn't because it is a horrible looking truck. But he claims to have lots of pre-sales on it. Well, he probably, he probably loves it. And anybody loves the the name, the brand. Right. You know what I mean? So he could be one of those labeled as um, he's in love with his own product that he's assuming everybody else will love it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, totally. Uh, but, you know, but there are other companies that have products, goods, or services where, you know, again, they're in love with it and they have family and friends that look at it. But if they had done a good test, a good research market on it, especially like, you know, cause there's a lot of software being developed. There's a lot of websites being developed to do shortcuts, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like how much of that do you see? Do you see a lot of technology coming through? We do. Um, it's a lot of medical technology, a lot of computer technology, a lot of things like Fitbits, you know, retail technology. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of things like that because, you know, companies don't really know what features are going to add value on their product until they ask their consumer. Right, right. And that's very cool. So I'm sure it's exciting to be a part of that. And oh, it is. Yeah. And so I'm sure you guys have to sign a non-disclosure agreement and on all the formalities that anybody else exposed to a startup or new product would have to do. Absolutely. We, we sign confidentialities with every customer for every project we work on. And it's really gratifying, I have to say, to see the products out on the marketplace that have been tested in our location. We see them all the time, um, mm-hmm. you know, at, at retail or on the internet or, you know, on the road yeah. <laughs> or wherever. Yeah. Um, it's very gratifying to see that companies have made the changes that came out of our research and they're doing well. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you because we are a brewery state. Do you get a lot of breweries testing? We, we do. We have done a lot of beer oh, research. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be anything. They could be testing uh, a new flavor. Okay. A new brand. They could be testing new packaging. They could be testing new advertising, a new promotional idea they have, If you know, if it makes sense to... Uh, you know, rename Miller Park, yep. you know, something else. Um, you know, we get a lot of that kind of advertising, absolutely, and and marketing research that comes in to, to test their product. We do a lot of product tasting testing as well. Right, right, right. Because I would imagine like if a company, if a brewery did their own testing and they said, you know, come in, we'll give you free beer, you know, just tell us what you think. Right. I, I would think that they're going to get some biased conversations because oh, it was absolutely. free. Absolutely. It was gifted. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and the benefit that we bring is that we can recruit their target audience. In most cases, the beer target audience is 21 to 24 year old males. Mm-hmm. That's the really, you know, heavier drinking population. So if you bring in women, you know, and I'm not saying anything negative about women, right. but I mean, if you bring a lot of women into your research, 
that chances are you're talking to the wrong person because they're not the person who most uses your product. Right. It's It'll like get ask, skewed. Exactly. Yeah. It's like asking a man to to evaluate makeup. It's just not their ball of wax. Women do drink beer, but they're only like 10 to 20% of the consumption of it. So yes. you, know, you got to take that into consideration when you test your product is who do you have? Do you have the right person in the room to test your product? So again, when we re- recruit for beer, a lot of times it's young males, 21 to 24 or slightly older. But again, yeah. you gotta be, you gotta know who the potential target audience is for your product. So you can bring them into the room to test it. Yeah. So Karen, it sounds like there's a lot of upside in using market research to launch your good products, good or services, and um, not a lot of downsi- <laughs> downsides on that, right? I can't think of any downside, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, Except even, for the additional investment. But to me, at the end of the day, that'll pay off at the end, you know? Sure. You know, I can even think of one example we did where we were working for a cheese company. Go mm-hmm. figure out in Wisconsin, a cheese company. And some parts of California were not buying their product. They couldn't find out what the problem was, why people weren't buying their product. They call them rejectors of their okay. product. So we flew out to California and interviewed people out in California that were that we had pre-screened as rejectors of this product. Mm-hmm. And about and I won't give you a, uh, away some confidential information, but there were very specific factors about that product, whether it was price or taste or packaging or you know promotions that they were doing. They or whether it was even on the shelf in some cases, right? Um, that might have made an impact on the sales of that product in that particular California marketplace. So sometimes you even want to talk to people who won't buy your product that should be buying your product. They're in right. the target audience, but they they aren't buying it. It's tough to listen to people who are rejectors of your product, but sometimes that's a very effective way to find out what you're doing wrong. Oh, absolutely! It's very insightful. I love it. That is very insightful. Um, and, and, and again, once again, it will help you uh, a shortcut to get to where you need to be, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Anything else you want to share that you guys do that we haven't talked about? No, the only other thing I can think of is home placements. We do an awful lot of home placements because sometimes people, it's not a one-off kind of thing where you can show them something and get their feedback. For example, diapers. We do a lot of diaper testing. We'll mm-hmm. give we'll give young moms uh, diapers. For oh, where you send it to them? A, well, they come pick it up. Okay. And you know, there's so many different sizes of diapers. So we do newborns all the way through to, you know, all the way up to uh, pull ups. Mm-hmm. And we give them quantities of product to take home for generally it's two two to three weeks. Okay. And they use the product instead of their most regular product that they typically use. And then they give us feedback. And I said they could give us feedback via an online survey. Mm-hmm. So they don't even they don't even have to come back. Right. Um we can we can have them come back and do a focus group. We can have them come back and do a one-on-one interview. But uh, you know, the goal again is to learn about how the product is operating in their environment. Conversely, a lot of times We'll give them a product to use at home, and we will go to their home to interview them there. We oh, call wow. Those, we call those in-home visits. For example, okay. for, for air fresheners, 
Oh, if you want, you could give a person an air freshener to use in their home. Well, it's a lot, it's kind of hard to have them come to your office and talk about the fragrance. So you go to their home and you sit for an hour interview and you may walk around their home and talk to them about how they feel about the fragrance and how does it compare to other fragrances they've tried? Do they like it? Is it too strong? Is it too weak? That kind of thing. So we do a lot of in-home interviewing as well. Right. And, and on site, we've done work for a baseball team in the area that uh, wanted us to interview their consumers in the parking lot before the game. Oh, wow. To get kind of an on-the-spot reporter feeling about how people were, you know, what they were thinking about doing and, and wanted to see while they were tailgating. Oh, so wow. it's not it's not all just done in our building here. Yep, we do yep. a lot offsite as well, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay, great. So lots of flexibility and if you have a product, good or service, just call and ask, right? At the end of the Absolutely. day, just call and ask. Yeah. We we do a lot of consulting in that regard. People say they'll they'll just call us up with a marketing problem and say, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. And I want to figure out what the problem is with my product or why it's not selling. And, um, you know, where do I start? And we, we generally work out a recommendation for designing some research that will help them figure out exactly where their product's problem is and, and what they need to do to get it to sell better. Oh, perfect. That's amazing. That is awesome. Okay, so how does, how does one get a hold of you, Karen? Well, there's lots of ways to get a hold of us. <laughs> uh, the company name is Mazer Zakow, and we are in Brookfield, Wisconsin, 720 Thomas Lane in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Our phone number is 262-938-9244, or you can get a hold of us by uh, email at my email is Karen M at mazerzachow.com. I know that's a mouthful, M-A-Z-U-R-Z-A-C-H-O-W.com. But uh, it's probably just easiest to call us on the telephone, 262-938-9244. Well, and I'll have uh, your information on the notes on our website. So if somebody is listening to this, they'll have a uh, link through to the website. So they'll, they'll be able to catch the website there too. Right. Um, there's also a way on the website, it, you know, there's a question that says, how can we help you? And you can get a hold of us that way at www.mazerzakow.com. Okay. Awesome. Great. And then uh, what's the, what is the give that you have for anybody listening today? I mean, um, what, what, I mean, is it a free consult? What, what is it? Oh, absolutely. We do free consults quite regularly. If you've got a marketing or marketing research question, give us a call, um, send us an email via our website and say, you know, I just like to talk this through and find out, you know, what options there are for testing my product or testing my service. And we can talk through. We do a lot of consulting. We don't get paid for that, but yep. we help people figure out where the pluses and minuses are in their current product or marketing strategy. Awesome. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great information. We even went a little longer than what we typically go through, cool. but it was so worth it because I think this is great information for anybody, you know, anybody starting a business, any entrepreneur, any startup, if you got a new product or you want to test it in another market, you want to expand and grow. I mean, there's so many situations you can use this, right? Absolutely. And yeah. we, see that we see them all. 
And I hope that uh, a few people uh, connect with you and, uh, and you get, you know, you're, you're able to help some people out. And so thank you again, Karen, for your time. I appreciate it. And thank you for anyone out there who is listening today. Again, the show notes will be on the website at uh, standoutandgrow.com. And uh, until next time, you got this. Thanks, Karen. Thank you very much, Kat. I appreciate it. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. The key to growth is to never stop learning. And hashtag social buzz delivers just that for only $99 per month. Get fresh, original content curated for your business five days a week at an affordable price with the option to cancel anytime. Build your knowledge and business the smart way with hashtag social buzz. Visit standoutandgrow.com offers page to learn more. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stand Out and Grow. Check out all the notes and links at www.standoutandgrow.com. I am so thankful to you for helping this show continue to grow. I want to keep producing content that you want to hear, so please leave me some feedback. I look forward to bringing you more resources and information to help your business stand out and grow. Please follow us on social media and make sure you follow this podcast so you can learn more about helping your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Until next time, you got this.